Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are talking about Suspiria from 1977. Directed by Dario Argento, written by Dario Argento and Daria Nicolodi, starring Jessica Harper, Stefania Cassini, and Flavio Bucci. In this film, a young American woman travels to Germany to study at an exclusive dance school that turns out to be more than meets the eye. If you're new to the show, we're going to discuss some background info on this film for the first 15 or 20 minutes here, but once you hear the musical interlude, that means we're transitioning into spoiler territory. So feel free to hang with us until then, even if you haven't seen Suspiria. And we've got a very special guest for this episode, but really quickly, before we welcome her to the conversation, I want the listeners to know our frame of mind going into this movie. I've seen Suspiria at least a handful of times, but Ashwin, is this your first time? Yeah, first time seeing this. All right, cool cool well i'm excited and without further ado uh for this episode we are lucky to be joined by our friend amy of amy may pop art designer of our logo and one of our very first guests dating all the way back to episode 21 in 2018 when we discussed night of the demons amy welcome back to the show hello thank you so much and you forgot old friend I was so professional, I forgot I was friends with you. I know, and dear, dear friend, thank you so much. It's awesome to be back on the show. Yeah, we are pumped to have you back. Oh, and for one of my favorite movies ever made, ever. Yeah, Um, so maybe let's get into that a little bit. Well, I want you to talk about Amy Mae Popart, but I noticed that of maybe three or four movies you mentioned that you wanted to discuss two of them Argento had something to do with that aside from Suspiria Deep Red was one art directed mm-hmm. by Argento and Demons was one which was co-written and produced by Argento I think is it safe to say you're an Argento fan it's safe to say that I am an Italian horror fan in a All big right. way and definitely nice. and Argento is kind of like the the king uh, one of the maybe the prince of Italian horror so um, yeah so that's usually in my suggestions I think I even I suggested stage fright that was one of them too which is another um, uh, Italian horror director uh, Michelle so oh, okay who directed but, that do you know uh, I I butcher these names all the ta- time but Michelle Salvi Salvi <laughs> Okay, gotcha. So, I don't think I've heard a, of that one. He, uh, he's a protege of Argento. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And do you want to tell us a little bit about Amy May Popart before we keep going? Sure. Um, it's a one-woman business that runs out of my house, and uh, I, I make pop art that's inspired by a lot of different aspects of pop culture, but mostly horror, because I've just been a horror freak since childhood basically so um a big chunk of the store is just like my own fan art which is all you know horror stuff and a lot of movies that you guys have covered on your show too yeah a lot of great images there um and speaking of which we're going to have a coaster set in amy's shop of five coasters, four will be images from some of our favorite movies that we've discussed on the show, and one of those will be 
our full logo uh, for Horror Movie Club. And you can see that full logo on horrormovieclub.com. It's it's more than what you see in just your pod player. So if you want to get some Horror Movie Club swag and also get some really cool coasters with images of some incredible horror movies, I've got a set right here in front of me. Uh, you can go to Amy May Pop Art at Etsy.com. So they can find you just by going to Etsy.com and searching Amy May Pop Art, right, Amy? Yes, definitely. Cool. And, um, and yeah, it's a set of five, so you get you kind of get one free. It's like for the price of four, <laughs> and then we have a promo code too, just for your listeners. Yeah, yeah. So if you type in the promo code Movie Club, you'll get a bit of a discount there. And thanks so much for doing that, Amy. We're super excited about it. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm always jazzed to collaborate with other horror fans and and just talk to people about horror. Yeah, that that horror coaster, that coaster is like one of the coolest things I think I own. So that you, that you, you've done like an amazing job with those. <laughs> Thank you. They're all handmade. Yeah, I will agree with that. The, <laughs> the second coolest things I own are the pop art that you've done of pictures of my family. So oh, <laughs> cool in you. a different way. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So yeah, go to Etsy.com, search Amy May Pop Art, all one word, and buy yourself some Horror Movie Club coasters or just any of the cool horror art that's in there. Um, and Amy, back to Suspiria. Mm-hmm. So you outlined a bit of your personal history with horror when you guested on our Night of the Demons episode, which included a childhood of watching late night horror with your sister, college days collecting horror movie data for one of your professors, Chicago days working <laughs> at a movie store called Odd Obsession, and your recent involvement in the North Carolina Triangle Horror Movie Club. At which point in your horror journey did Suspiria first catch your eye? Oh, I love that question. Oh, man. Uh, that was like a little uh, trip to my past right there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a quick journey. Yeah, man. Um, I had a, a good friend, uh, Susie Holland, in college who was obsessed with Suspiria and Argento and specifically the band Goblin, who made the soundtrack for um, Suspiria and a few of his other movies. And um, so she kind of like showed it to me in college. And, you know, I thought it was cool, but it was just one of the like thousands of horror VHS tapes that we watched over the years. But then um, I think when I was working, volunteering at Odd Obsession in Chicago, RIP, man, they, they had to close um, uh, bef- I think before the pandemic, but it, it had been coming. But they had a whole section that was just devoted to giallo, which is um, uh, the Italian. It's not necessarily horror, but it's this whole Italian genre of like murder mystery and sort of pulp stories. Um, and so there I got to know the rest, you know, the, the other movies that Dario Argento did and then his predecessor predecessors like Mario Bava and later 80s directors that were sort of protégés of him um so then I just kind of had a then it just became one of my my favorite subgenres of horror because I just love the style and like this one this movie it it is sort of like the perfect representation of that style with a little more supernatural mixed in but um yeah and then just in the past few years maybe like three years ago they released Suspiria 
in 4K restoration, and it was in art house theaters like all over the country. And we got to see it in this different way. And you guys, maybe when you watched it, you got to see the 4K restoration, I don't know, through your streaming device. But it's just like makes the colors pop that much more. And so it's a whole new level. That's the long answer of <laughs> that question. But <laughs> um, No, that's great. And you hit some of my follow-up questions in there, too. Uh, yeah. I- I had two questions on that. Uh, your friend Susie, does she only like this movie because she shares the name with the uh, main character? Oh my gosh, no! But that wasn't lost on her. Like it was definitely a cute little joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a but, nice coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Italian uh, horror, like this genre, uh, obviously like 60s, 70s, 80s, prime time. Like, did did it stretch beyond that as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it, like Argento made movies into the 2000s, but they sure. weren't good. And um, I think that just so much changed about the Italian filmmaking industry that there. it's almost like this was this golden age of, I want to say, like camp and, and kind of badness because you see from this movie and then a lot of other italian horror movies that the the audio is all dubbed like you don't have real dialogue and that was just kind of the way that they did things they they did the audio after with different actors and then they had people from all different countries playing the actors so like the audio doesn't line up i mean it's just kind of has that sort of like dirty feeling that made it special and yeah pretty unique. i don't know they yeah yeah so they they're probably just like making quote-unquote good movies now but sure. not the same stories <laughs> yeah yeah gotcha yeah the actors spoke italian english and german on set here they they said mm-hmm. their lines in those languages and then and then the film was yeah. just dubbed based on what country it's being distributed in correct yep mm-hmm. interesting um, and speaking of Argento making movies into the 2000s, so this is part of his Three Mothers trilogy, uh, along with Inferno and Mother of Tears, and I don't think Mother of Tears came out until 2007. Wow. That one I haven't even seen, so yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he finally got around <laughs> to that third mother. Yeah. <laughs> that poor third mother. Yeah. But I, I've been told that anything after the mid '90s of his is just like utter garbage. I hate, <laughs> I hate saying that, but <laughs> yeah. Have, have you guys both seen Inferno? Uh, yeah. Have you, Brian? I don't think I've ever seen Inferno. I think the o- only other ones of his I've seen are, I want to say I've seen Deep Red and Tenebre, but I can't mm-hmm. remember. Um, I need to go back. We watched Zombie. Isn't that one of his? That's Fulci. We also saw The Beyond by Fulci. Oh, that's who's Fulci, another, another just great. I mean, the New York Ripper and Zombie, and he's he's like a master of that disgusting gore that you see in Zombie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like the nicknames thrown around for them are like Argento's master of horror, Fulci's master of gore. That's cute. And do people? I feel like people call. Bava, like the father of grandfather, of, I can't remember. He's got a nickname. Yes. Too. Mm. Yeah, because he, he he was the kind of the first master of Italian horror with right. like Black Sabbath. Sure, sure. 
Um, yeah, and uh, giallo is just the word yellow in Italian, and it's given that name because of a series of yellow-covered paperback pulp murder mystery novels that were popular in Italy way back mm-hmm. when. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's just um, pretty simple. And then what else about... Oh, John Carpenter mentioned that Argento's films influenced Halloween. So even though Suspiria isn't a giallo technically, it's not often considered one, you can definitely see giallo's influence on the American slasher boom of the late 70s, early 80s. Totally, yeah. I, I mean, I thought this one had a, like a huge slasher vibe to it, didn't, didn't you guys? Yeah. 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 It certainly does. Um, but this was Argento's highest grossing film in the U.S. It's got Rotten Tomatoes rating of 93%, 83% for users, Metacritic, Metacritic of 79. It's high up there on many of the best horror films of all times list. It was remade in 2018. Have either of you seen that remake? Oh, yeah. I saw it opening night. <laughs> oh, nice. What did you think of that? Uh, I'm not <laughs> mad at it. I just don't. I think that he and this director I love, um, Luca Guadagnino, who did Call Me By Your Name. I mean, he's done some beautiful, beautiful movies. And he and he made it because he it has been a lifelong fan of Dario Argento. Um, But I think he went too hard on it and there was too much going on. Okay. That's my right. Yeah. (laughs) I've been meaning to check that off my list, but it's just. I've never really heard anybody who loves it. Yeah, <laughs> it just I know. seems very middling. <laughs> I, I've heard uh, the the soundtrack though, like the Tom York soundtrack for the new one is really good. Uh, did, yeah. Have you guys heard that? Yeah, it's it is beautiful and it fits fine with the movie. I mean, the mute the movie is beautiful in a different way. I think it's just hard to separate the two if you're already a big fan and that was like most of the people that went out to theaters to see it sure. they were big fans of the original and it's a it's a completely different thing the only the there's only you know a few things that connect it there's a this heroine and a dance school and witches yeah. so um uh, on its own it's it's a very good movie it's just yeah sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine this is like a hard one to, to try to recreate because there's so many unique things uh, to your earlier point. Well, yeah. speaking of that remake, if nobody has anything else before we get into spoiler territory, I might hit up our Ohio connection if that's all right with each of you. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, our friend Alex connects every movie to our home state of Ohio for us. And Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so be sure to hit them up once they reopen their patio in the spring. And Alex says, Suspiria was made by famed Italian director Dario Argento in 1977. The film follows the story of a young American girl, Susie Banyan, traveling to Europe to study ballet. The 1977 film is seen as a classic in the horror thriller canon and a defining film for Argento. The film was rebooted in 2018 with a fresh screenplay under the same name starring Dakota Johnson in the role of Susie Banyan. Similarly, the film is set in the post-Cold War era 1970s. Though not specifically referenced in the original, the character of Susie Banyan in the 2018 adaptation is portrayed as the daughter of a Mennonite family from Ohio. (laughs) Cool. Oh my gosh, yes! Okay. Yeah. I knew so she was a Mennonite. All right, that's a that's an awesome connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. 
That is a good one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Alex. And and we'll head into spoiler territory. But before we do that, uh, my computer's dying and I lost my charger. I think I might have an extra one up in the attic. But do y'all mind giving me a minute while I go look for it? Sure. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll be right back. All right. Okay, guys, I'm back. You get your charger? Yeah, I uh, I finally found it, but it was stashed right behind all of our razor wire, so I'm a little cut oh, up. Oh, no. <laughs> there, there wasn't any rotten meat up there, was there? <laughs> I, <know. laughs> oh. I mean, as long as you know how to deal with the maggots, they aren't going to bother you, but... <laughs> <laughs> I put a few on my razor wire wounds. It'll help heal them right up. Oh. <laughs> There's no good way to store a razor wire, is there? Um, um yeah. <laughs> I would you, guess not in a, like, spread out in a room. <laughs> no, you got you got to roll it up real tight, and they had it just strewn about. It's not going to work. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so this film starts with some narration that an American woman named Susie Banyan is going to be studying at a prestigious dance school in Germany, where she'll also... Uh, be staying her room and board is provided and she gets there only to see a woman running from the place screaming in the middle of the night she runs off into a violent storm and Susie speaks with someone on the intercom who tells her to go away Um, and Ashwin I wanted to tell ask you as a first-time viewer was the score jumping out to you at this point of the film? Oh, yeah. The score hit me kind of, like, right off the bed. Like, uh, mm-hmm. this is a really weird... I, I The whole movie, I was trying to figure out, like, the timing of, like, the percussion and uh, on that main theme. Uh, so, yeah. Score, like, right off the bat was, was like, top yes. of mind for me. Cool, that, cool. That's so exciting that you, this was your first time seeing it. Because um, that intro, yeah, it's, like, it, it hits you right away. Like, she gets off the plane going through the airport and that music just yeah yeah and in like uh i mean like you guys like that like i mean i think this was obviously like the theme song right yeah that first it's kind song of the main theme kind of, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh so it sounds like you guys are a fan of that that song oh yeah big time the whole soundtrack but yeah that song whenever i watch this movie which is like i watch this movie a few times a year usually um yeah. and then it's in my head for like days after just a little tweet yeah. beep. I don't want to sing it but <laughs> <laughs> there's like some creepy la la la's in the- yeah and then the yeah yeah all la, the la, la. Yeah. yeah the little whispers and stuff but the but the theme with the like kind of um little tinkling it's it's inspired by a music box so oh. if you think of it that way it's it's pretty cool and creepy it is, yeah. It really gets under your skin and kind of sets the tone off right away. Um, mm-hmm. do, 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 so I, I know it was like the, this band, the Goblins. Did, did Dario also work with them to, to make this? Yes, and um, they they scored this for the movie, and they did it for a, a bunch of other horror, Italian horror movies. Um, and I think they were even like on set, like m- making it. Um, so they were very, very involved in, in the whole process and yeah. worked with him quite a few times. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it says everywhere I read that Argento collaborated with them, but I'm not sure to what extent or what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if he has musical background or what. I know, I know. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think he just, you know, they had a great sound, and so they created a few soundtracks for him. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he collaborated on, like, the aesthetic and, and what worked and what didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of plays like a music video for like certain parts of this. It's cool. It does. I mean, it is front and center. I almost, I, I do really love the uh, the soundtrack, but I could see how someone could think it was kind of abrasive at this first part of the movie, which is kind of why I wanted to pick your brain about it, Ashwin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I couldn't ignore it. I mean, it was definitely something that jumped out, but I, it didn't feel like over the top, and it felt like it fit what was like the, the visuals that were happening because there isn't like a lot of dialogue in this opening sequence so I think the music is pretty well placed yeah yeah good point the dialogue is sparse right um, so then we briefly follow the story of this woman who has fled the school as she goes to a friend's apartment and she's acting very paranoid telling her friend something's going on at the school and she's in a bathroom and there's someone outside the window um and Amy, not to put you on the spot, but do you want to walk us through this kill scene? Oh, geez. Um, uh, well, the uh, so she's looking out the window and a pair of eyes open from the darkness. And they don't look human, um, right? Like almost cat-like. So mm-hmm. it, it's already kind of setting up some sort of like supernatural element. And then a hand breaks through the window and it's, got like fur on it and um starts stabbing her um i don't know how far you want me to go (laughs) no that's okay you can keep going if you want to i put you on the spot (laughs) you see her face like smushed against the glass yes oh yeah so yeah it grabs her and like pushes her up against the glass and um just the way that it unfolds like as a first kill in a in a horror movie it's pretty epic yeah Yeah. it really Uh, is and he like then takes her out onto the roof and he's stabbing her in the chest repeatedly mm -hmm. doesn't he uh stab her like you see like her heart and he stabs the heart or something yeah her her beating heart (laughs) right it's still it's like she's got such a gaping hole in her chest that you can Mm -hmm. see the end of her chest her beating heart and he puts the knife right into it yeah that's fun yeah it's good oh sorry it it definitely sets sets up the gore in that it, it is almost cartoonish you know it's hard to be so scared of it because it's so over the top which is a lot of giallo gore um the blood is bright red um and just just shockingly red yeah so it's it it can seem cheesy to some people but i just i think it's beautiful yeah, that, that's interesting because, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you could look at it both ways. Uh, like, is it like cheap effects or something? But to, yeah, I, I feel mm-hmm. like uh, it does look more like artistic and like purposefully done that way in in this context. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent intentional. Yeah, right. And it ends kind of beautifully. He tur- mm-hmm. puts this rope around her neck, and then you see the view of her friend, who, to add intensity to the kill scene, this whole time has been pounding on doors of other apartments in the building, frantically screaming for help. She's like made her way out into the lobby, which has this beautiful stained glass skylight. 
and her friend falls through it with this rope around her neck and is hung from the roof. All these huge glass shards fall to the floor, impaling her friend in multiple places. Mm-hmm. And so then we see this like final beautiful shot of the friend hanging and the blood dripping onto the floor. And then we pan over and see her friend and like the very multiple places that the glasses punctured her body and basically like chopped her face in half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would echo your thoughts, Amy. This, as far as first kills go and opening sequence mm-hmm. of a horror movie, I think this ranks pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I mean, it's like almost beautiful when it ends and there's these shards of different colored glass all over her. And um, yeah, it's it's amazing. And Ashwin, I think there are some elements here that maybe are even referenced uh, in one of our favorite opening sequences to scream. Oh, like, uh, you know, the ghoul behind the glass and the puncturing of the glass um, yeah, stabbing multiple times in the chest and then hanging from the neck sure. while somebody is frantically calling for help. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, like a straight up like slasher territory basically. And yeah, 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 I could see that. Yeah, I don't know if it's coincidence or if it was influenced by that at all or what. Yeah, like the Jew, like the, you think this one and like the Jew Barrymore opening scene? Yeah. Are tied? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have some similarities, that's for sure. Yep. Um, So the next day, Susie comes back to the school. She meets some of the teachers and her fellow students. And one of the teachers, I found this interesting. She gives her this wild info dump that Susie receives with like a pleasant smile throughout. And it's like, number one, (laughs) sorry we didn't let you in at 10 p.m. last night when you're new to the country, but whatever, you're fine. (laughs) Number two, one of the students was murdered last night. And number three, we don't actually have a room for you, so you'll have to live somewhere else. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And Susie's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely, it sets up a, a level of confusion all around that just from the start, from the moment she got into the country has been going on. So um, yeah. that definitely, it makes sense for the movie going forward. Yeah. I would have been on my phone crying to my parents. Oh my right God, now. yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that, that part feels really real, real. Like a lot of times when you do travel abroad or you have like certain plans or itineraries and stuff and you get somewhere and everything's like uh, changed. I mean, I, I feel like that happens so often and it's an experience that uh, a lot of people go through. So that. Yeah. Those those murders on the nights you arrive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very relatable. Very pesky. <laughs> yep. Um, so she goes to live with one of the other girls and once the teachers eventually tell her, okay, now you do have a room, she says, no, thanks. I'll stay with this other girl. And after this, one of the employees at the school shines this weird light kind of reflecting off of a pointy metal object into her eyes in a hallway Mm -hmm. randomly in this suspenseful scene. And it seems to eventually make her faint. Uh, and they seem to use this as an excuse to keep Susie at the school and keep her on this strict diet um but amy is that how you perceive that scene as them trying to find a way to keep her at the school well it is that at the point in the soundtrack where someone just says witch witch yeah as soon as the light shines on Susie, i think (laughs) i think so and so i mean in retrospect you could you could just see that as a spell, her casting a spell. Um, 
it makes it even weirder that there's like a little Lord Fauntleroy little boy with a bowl cut like just standing next to her the little boy that's I just never like knew what that little boy's purpose at was. the dance school yeah it's all it's also another level of confusion like what is going on here <laughs> um and yeah and then she's like sort of trapped she is stuck at the school because she has supposedly fallen ill mm-hmm. right Right, and so she's no longer going to be living with that girl. She's going to be living at the school. So you, you guys both purposefully saw this as like a like a, an attack of like them putting a spell on her or something. Yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so. How did you I view th- it, Ashwin? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I still wasn't sure that there was like supernatural stuff going on. Like I, I think like with that opening kill too, I thought it was just like some dude, uh, uh, in, in like one of the guys who works at the dance school mm-hmm. probably. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't, like, clued in. I probably should have been paying closer attention because it sounds like the soundtrack said witch in it. <laughs> it <does. laughs> Maybe on the movie you watched, the soundtrack said witch or something else. <laughs> or something else, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's also just percussion. They're using their voice as percussion in a lot of places. There's, like, I, I don't want to do this on microphone, but there's a ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yep. Sure. I've already and, and, ruined the whole microphone thing, so we can yeah. all feel free to do whatever we want on the microphone. Well, you definitely need to play some of the soundtrack uh, under the podcast, like in some way, just to in case there's anyone that hasn't seen it, so they can get a taste. Yeah, I want to sample that oh. witch part. <laughs> yeah. Definitely the witch part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it. I, I don't, I'm trying to think of when I first saw it. Um, I think just because so many of these types of movies are not supernatural, they, they're not going to involve witches or anything weird like that, that I would assume it was just a straightforward slasher. Mm-hmm. But then how do you explain the eyes in the window? Like, oh, creepy cat eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I thought uh, when she saw those eyes, there was like a guy standing outside who like, oh, but yeah. Okay. But, yeah. but I, I, I'm with you because when I first saw those eyes, I thought they were, uh, yeah, they looked like not like human eyes, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. But but then like when, <laughs> when the arm came in, I, I noticed like you, you said it had a lot of fur on it. I thought it was just like a hairy dude outside of her mm-hmm. window that, that killed yeah. her. But yeah. No, it totally, it could be. It totally could be. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But, but, but it sounds like, that's, you, oh, go ahead. Something that we could talk about too we will for sure talk about later in the review there's some stuff with maybe even italian horror in general where you're not sure if it's meant to just confuse you and create this aura of creepiness or if it's Mm -hmm. just kind of plot laziness (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah or just or just style right purposefully Um, done yeah you know yeah style over substance type stuff add this in there yeah Mm -hmm. um so the next big thing to happen is that Susie is brushing her hair and finds a maggot in her hair, and we soon see that the entire ceiling is overrun with maggots and all the girls come screaming from their rooms with maggots on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> we find out this is because of some rotting food in the attic. I don't know why you'd keep food in an attic unrefrigerated, but all the girls are forced now to sleep together with the teachers in one of the main rooms of the school. And I read this as a reason the maggots is... The only purpose was to move forward the plot so that Susie's friend Sarah can notice the snoring of the elusive 
director of the school once they're down on the main floor sleeping, right? Yeah, I guess it was. It's to give you a little bit of backstory on the directress that she's just she's not there very often, and that's the sound that she makes when she's sleeping. That that's going to come back in later. No, it's just also it's just a beautiful um, scene. Just the 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 setting inside this, I guess, like dance ballroom and there's sheets hanging everywhere and just red lights and it's just gorgeous. It's just something that Argento would want to have in there just for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have to wonder if some of the plot is motivated by the Mm -hmm. shots that he can capture by, by doing things that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he loves, like, the color red, right? Like, you can tell that right off the bat in this movie. Like, it, almost every scene, like, has, like, some, like, very bright red in it. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, the, the movie he did before this, I think the one right before it, it's called Deep Red, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, and, it's a very saturated red. It's, like, I'm, it's almost, like, hot red. Yeah. Hot red. It's, it's very hot. <laughs> Uh, this is the first scene we like learn about the directress too, right? Yeah, like it, it, it's briefly mentioned because it, at first you meet the associate or vice director, associate, I don't know. Um, she's the one that kind of explains things to Susie when she first gets in. So this is like, this is the director. Oh, and she's okay. very, she's rarely there at the school for some reason got it okay and then and then there's also a dialogue here about like where do the teachers go at night and uh i think this is where sarah tells Susie that they leave every night at nine o'clock right yeah is that, okay and tonight because of the extenuating circumstances with the maggots the teachers are sleeping there too they're just on the other mm-hmm. side of these sheets that are hanging up mm-hmm. right um and the next big event is that the piano player at the school, who plays while the girls dance, who is blind, he his service dog, waiting outside the building, bites this little boy, who's just been kind of hanging around randomly, and they <laughs> kick this dude out of the school. And later on, he's in a city square at night. Some creepy things start to happen around him, including some shadows on a building, and a gargoyle that's on the building disappears, and his dog out of nowhere attacks him. And rips his throat out, and he dies. Mm-hmm. Amy, do you, are those witch shadows on the building? Do you think like witches on broomsticks type shadows? Oh, geez, I don't know. Um, I, I didn't know what they were, but I I had never read it that way before. But it kind of seemed like maybe it could have been at this time. Yeah, because they never fully explain what the the things that go out, like whatever stabbed the first girl that could get up to that high window or um they, they never really explain what that is so it could be some kind of incantation or i don't know right it's yeah, just a, random it's just spell. a yeah it's just a really cool kill sequence really and and just shows that like you don't fuck with the witches sorry i we haven't cursed yet on the show but <laughs> oh that's okay it's the first we, one <laughs> we you you don't mess with those witches at the dance school. <laughs> yeah. You get your throat cut. 
Hey, yeah. Oh, why, why do you guys think uh, th- this guy got attacked? Is it because of his dog attacking that kid? Yeah, I don't... I. They never... I don't think that they ever explain like who the kid is or what why he's important, um, but he just yeah they just he crosses the wrong people so that's it. Yeah, oh, got it. It was interesting though because that guy is like, no, my dog would never hurt anybody. So either the dog senses some evil yeah. in the kid, right? Or like part of me was like they they did it on purpose like the witches made it happen but to like set him up yeah but i wouldn't i didn't know why yeah i don't know if they explain why i think there was something with um oh geez i don't remember where where something does trigger the dog that the that the woman does anyways yeah (laughs) yeah it's open-ended a bit yeah our piano player is killed by his dog um and now Sarah and Susie are starting to catch on to the fact that the teachers aren't actually leaving the school at night. They can tell by their footsteps and by some of the clues provided by Sarah, Susie's friend, before, or uh, provided by Sarah's friend before she fled the school. The woman from the beginning, Pat. Yeah. So before she fled the school, she gave some clues to Sarah. Um, and Sarah's kind of describing this to Susie at night. And Susie can barely keep her eyes open, and we realize she's being drugged at night by the food and wine they've been giving her, this strict diet that they've put her on after her fainting spell. Um, So while she's conked out that night, her friend Sarah is stalked by an unseen foe. She's fleeing the killer through the school, and she escapes one room by climbing out of a window, like a high window, into another room where she drops right into essentially a giant pool of razor wire. (laughs) Uh, And as she struggles to get out, a black gloved hand reaches in and slices her throat. Ashwin, as a first-time viewer, how do you feel about an entire room full of razor wire? Are you are you on board? Are you wondering why? <laughs> yeah, wondering why. You think if you're jumping down, like you kind of know what's down there, but you know, maybe it's dark and like the obviously like the camera work we're seeing is like to for the audience's benefit. So uh, I, I can overlook that part, but uh, yeah, that, that that's unfortunate. And I'm surprised. It, it sounds like the razor wire didn't necessarily kill her. It was the the knife uh, stab, which I loved, like how that like zoomed in and kind of like showed her uh, throat being cut open. So uh, mm-hmm. cool. yeah, another like cool visual, I guess. Maybe it looked like like a bunch of straw, like a oh. bunch of bales of hay. Use <laughs> sure. some straw. Yeah, like a big. Big room of bales of hay. That would yeah. be nice to jump into. <laughs> uh, this is very convenient. There's a big thing of yeah. hay down there. <laughs> but but yeah, it would it would just scratch her up a lot. It would hurt a lot. But I don't know if razor wire would kill you necessarily. Oh sure. Um, but but the what is important to mention is the black gloved hand. That is very typical of a giallo movie of the the killer being you out of sight you can't ever see him or her but you see that they're wearing black gloves and usually yeah. brandishing a knife so that was cool that that that's still in there even though this isn't like a typical giallo movie sure yeah yeah i know this scene kind of uh, reinforced that for me like uh, there's like someone out there who's like going around killing people um mm-hmm. but yeah that, 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 that was cool to see 
And uh, what did you guys think it was funny? Like uh, when she's in that trapped in that room, and uh, some entity's like trying to open the door, and it's just like kind of like sticking like something like a knife or something through, and trying to unlock the door, uh, but it's like not working because like they're being kind of clumsy or something. What, what, what did you was, was that frustrating or like did that make sense to you guys? <laughs> I wanted Sarah to just go over and hold the lock. Down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just put a finger down on it. Yeah, it's just—it's kind of interesting because you got like something coming after, but it wasn't like strong enough to like open that door. Which it—it it was like eighty percent there for for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's capable of a lot of things, but that that lock really stumped it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it was some—it's—it was some good tension. Yeah, kind of her, yeah. her, her being chased slowly and clumsily. <laughs> yeah, sure. You got to have stuff like that in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, out of like the three kills we've seen so far, like uh, that—that's one thing. Like the the, the 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 it's never like a quick kill or anything. I feel like they they did a good job of like playing them out, mm-hmm. building suspense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and e- so each that- one is very different too. Yeah, yeah, very creative. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they really are. So in the wake of Sarah's disappearance, Susie meets up with a psychologist that Sarah had told her she had reached out to in the past. Um, And this guy talks about how the school was founded by a woman named Helena Marcos, who was suspected of being a witch. Folks called her the Black Witch. And rumor has it that the school taught both dance and the occult. And he says eventually when Helena died in a fire, her favorite pupil took it over and the school stopped teaching anything having to do with the occult. Um, but he's he says something to the effect of, I'm convinced that the current spread of the occult is a result of mental illness. And he's like, in fact, my friend here wrote a book all about it. <laughs> but then this guy's like, oh, he's oh right yeah, fuck here. yeah, I believe yeah. in rich witches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it seemed like the first guy was like, oh yeah, witches aren't real. And then this guy was like, yeah, witches are super real. <laughs> oh, <laughs> was that the difference between, I, I thought they both said the exact same thing. But, uh, it, it sounds like not. This. Maybe I maybe I misinterpreted it, but I thought the one guy was saying that witches are kind of just a mental fake, help. and yeah. the other guy was like, "Yeah, well, they're they're totally real." Well, the the first guy is a psychiatrist, so right. He's he's kind of going to go that route, but the other one is a he specializes in the occult. Oh, right. there you go. So, Got it. But it is it's just a weird. <laughs> scene with like so much exposition and yeah (laughs) yeah it's basically an exposition dump yeah and it's like your first time out of the school too during the day and yeah so it's just yeah it's a lot going on with these two dudes i loved uh i love that first guy's blazer and like how it matched the building like it was like a light uh green or whatever (laughs) like a pastel green is is it really cool color combination Nothing yeah. can just look ordinary. Every shot, every shot was very artistic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that guy, that actor, he's been in like a, a lot of things. Um, his name is Udo Kerr, um, and he's a, a German actor. I'm trying to think of what he has been in, but like in Blade. in Ameri- in American movies, yeah. Yeah, he was in Blade and Rob Zombie's Halloween. Mm-hmm. He's just like one of those faces. If you look up, yeah, Udo Kier, K, so U D O K I E R on IMDb, 
and you see his face you'll be like oh that guy <laughs> yeah that guy but he's young yeah. in this so it's a little harder to tell sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i think the most important piece of information that's communicated here is that he says a coven deprived of its leader is harmless um like a snake without its head and when Susie returns to the school after this, mostly everyone is gone to see some ballet or something. And <laughs> she follows the footsteps she hears. And that leads her to a room with irises on the wall. And one of the things she now remembers that comes flooding back to her memory is the fleeing girl from the opening scene saying, Iris, secret door, turn the blue one, something to that effect. <laughs> and so she turns this blue iris on the wall to reveal a hidden doorway into the basement. And she finds all the teachers are down there scheming about how they should kill her. And the little boy is down there, too, of course. <laughs> uh, she stumbles upon Sarah's bloodied corpse. And things are... St- I think... How are you feeling going into this scene as a first-timer, Ashwin? It's pretty tense at this point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's been, like, a long build-up to this. Like, starting with her on her own, like, in her bathroom fighting a bat, and then, like, slowly finding this room and the build-up of what's going on. So, uh, but you're also kind of expecting it at this point that, uh, that that, all these teachers now are witches and they're going to be back there somewhere. So, I don't think, like, the reveal is, like, too surprising, but uh, the the, the build-up, I I don't know, it felt a little bit long, but uh, I I thought it was suspenseful. What, What did you guys think? I thought it was suspenseful as she was entering. I forgot about the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. does take a, a, a while for her to eventually get in there. Um, but, no, it's it's pretty simple. She's she's chasing witches. It's <laughs> just, <laughs> just witch chasing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the score goes, witch chase. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So she then finds herself in a room with heavy breathing behind this curtain and there's a bed there. So we know that this is the directress, Helena Marcos herself, sleeping in her bed. And she starts talking to Susie and threatens her. She turns herself invisible and sends the reanimated body of Sarah after her to kill her. And Sarah looks pretty creepy as a zombie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, She looks super creepy. Her face is all scratched up and it looks cool. Yeah, it does. That's really neat. Uh, lightning strikes during the midst of this and it allows <laughs> Susie to see a brief, uh, possibly cheesy silhouette of the directress <laughs> where she is still sitting on her bed and Susie stabs her and kills her. And we see a, a image of the directress as kind of this uh, wrinkly ghoul and the whole building starts to fall apart. And this, the movie ends with Susie exiting the school as it catches fire. And credits roll right away. Credits roll. It's Yeah, it just ends. Right there. As the, as like, yeah, as she walks <laughs> out of the school, there's no resolution or anything. In, in your guys' credits, does it say like you've been watching Superior or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a funny thing to say. Oh, I yeah, love it. Quaint. it. It really leaves you stunned at the end. Like, for one, it just ends so abruptly. She's just running from this this burning, crumbling building. Um, and then the music it's just still has you. It's still very intense throughout the credits. So, yeah, yeah it's a good ending. Yeah, it's always cool yeah. when a movie goes out like that, like right on flames or like right when it's like peaking and then ends, ends mm-hmm. right on that. That's, that's always cool. Mm. 
So, Amy, what I've, we've kind of touched on it already, but what are some of your favorite things about this movie? What are some of the aspects that you that make you love it so much? Well, um, I I love how dreamlike it is. That you really just feel like you're in a in a dream or a nightmare. I don't know if I've just like watched it so many times while I was high, but <laughs> it it's so beautiful. And I love when you can find beauty and horror it's just um it's really really cool so and then of course the music uh just the yeah the the total package like honestly as a big fan like i the story eh, i could give or take like it it makes sense it's actually pretty simple she goes to the school and turns out it's run by witches but it's you know not that's not one of my favorite kinds of stories. Um, but just the way that it's done, how beautiful every single room is in, in the school. It just kind of, you're, you're looking all over the place, but then you're not really sure where you're supposed to look. And so, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said about the nightmare comment. Like it's so surreal, but all it is is just, you know, really precise framing and lighting and set design. There's there's really not many visual effects in the movie, so it's pretty cool that he achieves that like nightmare vision just just with what's done with the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Light is really, really used well in this movie. Yeah. Um, just with the, you know, the little mirror glass that she has that shines on Susie and the light, even with mother Marcos, the, the lightning striking and her silhouette, just it's, it's simple, but it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, Ashwin, how about you? What are some of the strengths echo what Amy said or add any new ones? Yeah. I mean, I would echo what Amy said. Uh, Cause yeah, I mean like visually and I, I think like the sound and everything's like, like amazing. And I like how Amy and like you described it as kind of like dreamlike or nightmarish. Cause yeah, you're right. Like the plot is like very thin and maybe nonsensical at some certain points, but it is kind of like a dream where like, uh, yeah, there isn't like ever uh, a solid plot or dialogue or anything, but it's more just about like the feeling of being in this and the, what you're seeing and what you're hearing. And I, yeah, all that stuff was like, I thought really well done in this film. Some of the things that kind of add to some suspense, I noticed it especially in the opening scene when she's at the airport. He'll just kind of do a quick zoom shot on what seems like arbitrary stuff, like the mechanism of the automatic doors in the airport. Oh, yeah. Or the rushing water through the draining dishes. Like, we suddenly get a zoom on that. Like, you're tempted to be like, okay, water's going to be important. Uh, Automatic door mechanisms, they're going to be important. (laughs) Yeah. I think that kind of echoes some of what Amy was saying earlier. Like some of the stuff I'm tempted to call nonsensical that they maybe didn't think out that well does sort of just add to the confusion and disorientation you feel. Like what was that little kid? Why was he there? I don't Mm -hmm. know, but maybe it was creepier with him in it. Yeah, and we'll never know. Like (laughs) who is that little kid? (laughs) <laughs> yeah there, there's like this randomness like do, do you guys understand like why any of the people were killed or like why that meat was up there uh like is any of this like explainable uh not really i mean i guess they could have stored meat up there um there wasn't really a good reason why the pianist was killed other than maybe like suspicion he it seemed like 
a lot of people were killed because of their suspicion. Yeah. Um, which is fine, like a fine reason, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that, I'm assuming that's why, like the first, uh, like Pat was killed in the beginning, right? It sounds like she was onto something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm. Okay. Okay. I think that's my biggest complaint with the movie, and perhaps with every Italian horror movie I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> the, it feels like, at least I've noticed Fulci will kind of do the same thing, and I can't say that this is really their mindset, but it's like, what would be creepy? What in this scene is going to make this scene more creepy? And if so, I'm going to put it there and plot continuity or purpose be damned. Like, <laughs> sure. it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same t- time, that can sometimes be a hard pill to swallow, just like, things are just happening for whatever reason because yeah like why i was confused about why they would be so hell-bent on Susie staying there when they already let this other girl stay at a room that's not at the school um and yeah right. why they killed a piano player same same complaints as ashvin there i didn't necessarily know why some of the things that happened happened yeah, yeah. that's true but i think some of the best horror movies out there leave you with more questions than answers that's yeah. true the, the horror of the unknown <laughs> the, the mm-hmm. illogical yeah yeah that's and like i said that's part of the confusion that's part of why you're scared and especially us watching as americans it, it, we could imagine that that experience a lot of us have gone over to europe and have gotten into some weird situation i mean can you imagine in the 70s <laughs> going over and not having your gps and yeah yeah right. <laughs> you're in a big creepy haunted building um but yeah it's just all part of the experience that you're that you're confused and scared yeah that's, that's um, a good point I, I, I was that too we, deep for this show? Was I getting too deep? No. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely feel that. Thanks for the insult. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, one fun scene that we forgot to mention, and I think perhaps might be a relic of the fact that the script was originally written for like eight to ten year old girls instead of pretty much yes. adult women. There's... <laughs> I think Olga might be her name. She comes over to Susie and Sarah and it's like, I was told that anyone's name who begins with an S is a snake. And then <laughs> her and Susan, yeah. Susan, or Susan, Sarah get in this fight where they're like sticking their tongue out, <laughs> sticking their tongue out to each other and like hissing at each other. I just thought, I, I thought it was just like a European thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, no one's ever been hissed at in Europe here? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Still waiting for In the for locker that rooms? Yeah. <laughs> I I was I was in love with Olga. I was, I was sad that she was in like such a short part of this film. Like she she just drops off after mm-hmm. uh like yeah, the, the the first like half hour, I guess, right? Yeah, she disappears and she's she really does. a very magnetic figure and I would think that she would be wise to the witch the stuff, but she doesn't right. live there apparently. Yeah, yeah. It seemed yeah, it seemed like she was in on something or like she knew more stuff. But, uh yeah. It's weird she didn't come back. Mhm. Yeah, they create a little bit of intrigue around her too and then yeah, drops off without any explanation. 
Yeah. K- characters as oh. a whole, did you guys feel like were f- flushed out pretty well? Um, no. But, <laughs> I mean, Susie Banyan is iconic. She's just so beautiful in a weird way, you know? Mm-hmm. And just, like, a little bit brooding. Yeah. But yeah. I, that, that's... I, honestly like a lot of the characters are trash in giallo movies oh sure <laughs> they're <yeah>. just <laughs> they're like archetypes and no not very fleshed out yeah 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 but <laughs> I, I think you're right like even like with her limited dialogue like you kind of get a sense for her at least a, l- a little bit more but yeah it, it, everyone else kind of felt like one-dimensional brian did, did mm-hmm. you feel that way too yeah i i agree that's definitely one of my uh notes under weaknesses because and not only is do we not get much background or depth of Susie but she kind of just her reactions to things are a bit bland they don't always correlate with what the real reaction would be to me Mm. yeah but but how long was she drugged I mean she's kind of just a little a little spaced out um, <laughs> she was just yeah, high the whole I mean, movie. It's hard to say how much, how much of the drugs, whatever they're putting in her food, how much effect is is over. I her. guess I'm just defending um, her. That, that no, would make know, a lot of sense. That she was just and drugged I agree up with you, Amy. She is iconic, and like she just like fits the school somehow. Like it's like she's really meant to be in the frame she's in. Just mm-hmm. visually, it fits. But yeah, I, I think as a character, she's she's a little bit weak, but I don't think they really bothered with things like that. Yeah, yeah, not, not a focus. But yeah, yeah, I do get a sense she was kind of like pushing back against the norm the whole time and like not kind of just going along with what they wanted her to be, which I guess is why they wanted to kill her at the end. Yeah, I mean, that's true. She does kind of assert herself and uh, have some agency, like at right. least she tries to. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, um, yeah. let's see. Zero to five punctured beating hearts. What do y'all <laughs> give this movie? And we'll start with Amy. Oh, five for sure. Yeah, we saw that one coming. Forever, yeah. <laughs> Ashwin, zero to five punctured beating hearts. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I, I agree with everything you said and all the reasons, Amy, you love it. Like, it, that, that makes a lot of sense. Amazing music, really visual. Um, and I kind of understand, like, some of the, you know, talking about, like, why maybe the plot wasn't, like, fully fleshed out and, like, the idea of, like, the randomness being more uh, scary and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, that combined with, like, kind of the underdeveloped characters, um, it, it left me wanting, like, a bit more than just, like, a really cool, like, space and and, uh, and visuals and sound. So I, I think I, I only had it at, like, three and a half... Uh, uh, punctured beating hearts uh, unfortunately <laughs> but I, I could see this being like a fun watch from time to time it's, 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 it's definitely like great visually to, to be a part of yeah I, I definitely recommend if you see it back in the theaters which maybe maybe it'll come back for something oh um, yeah it's really really cool to see on the big screen and 4k restoration and I I saw it with um, the new incarnation of Goblin which is basically like the main guy, Claudio Simonetti, um, has, he's touring or he, before COVID, he was touring, playing, um, all the Italian horror music and they did a screening of Suspiria with Goblin playing on stage live. Oh, that's awesome. The score. Yeah. And that was, that was a tour that was going on a few years ago, 
but it's like there's just there's still a lot of fascination with it especially in the u.s and so you may get a chance to see it in on the screen especially in chicago yeah yeah i definitely check that out that sounds awesome Mm -hmm. it's like two of my favorite parts Based on some of the reviews I've seen too, it it sounds like the appeal for the movie has grown over time. Like initial reviews were more mixed than contemporary reviews. Mm. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think for kind of a lot of the reasons we've mentioned here, like reviews that happened at the time, or wait, would those be called contemporary? The the 1970s Hmm. reviews focused a bit more on the the scattered shopped plot and the the weak uh the, the not fully fleshed out characters but yeah the modern interpretation is all about the visuals and and i think that's its legacy and that's how it's viewed and uh people don't really expect that heavy plot and character development from it when they view it now so oh, i yeah. think that kind of skews mm-hmm. the the modern reviews a bit higher that makes sense and I will say that for a while, I considered this my favorite horror movie of all time. When I first saw it, it totally wow. blew me away, wow. and I gave it a five. That's awesome. Yeah. But, but now? <laughs> you don't now? <laughs> Every time I've seen it since then, <laughs> I it like its legacy is like a little smaller in my mind. Like legacy for, for me, you know, uh, my personal experience viewing it. I think it's because I was so enamored with the visuals the first time. And I was just deciding for myself, like, I've always kind of flirted with horror, and now as an adult with some free time and spare money, I'm going to, like, dig further into it. And so I was just like, cool, like, I'm in, because I was entranced by the visuals here. But then every time I watch it, I see, and I think just as a viewer, I've gotten a bit more focused on plot and character and story in what I'm looking for. And so I, I see more of the weaknesses of that element every time I watch it but I also think maybe the more I come to terms with those weaknesses the more I can enjoy this movie in the future I will certainly watch this Hmm. many more times in the future but for now I give it a 3.5 on this viewing as well oh wow Mm -hmm. hey when when was the first time you saw this Uh, I think it was 23 and I had like decided all right I'm getting back into horror and I got Evil Dead and this on DVD from Netflix and did a double header Oh, one wow. that I hadn't seen either of them and I was just like shit these were awesome <laughs> oh great. yeah that's a great double feature <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, yeah it's weird because this has now become like one of my comfort movies because I've probably I've just seen it so many times there's a couple horror movies like original Night of Living Dead um, that are just like I'll just throw on when I'm feeling bad or it's a weird comfort movie, but, but there's definitely some some horror ones, and it's just like a feast for the eyes. And I don't even and you know we've been doing this recently with um, with Twin Peaks too. Me and um, my husband Joseph have been, have been watching it before bed, and that kind of sounds like insane, but it's like sometimes you almost don't have to think; you're just watching and listening and feeling and so that's kind of what this movie has become for me yeah i feel you i mean the visual aspect of it is it's like incomparable it's it's certainly enough to give this movie a five just based on that 
And Amy, I don't know if you remember, remember in Chicago, we used to do those nights where people would take turns picking a movie and they'd end an album and we'd watch the movie yes! with an album playing instead of hearing the sound from yes, the movie. Yes, I remember. I did, I did Suspiria and uh, Liars, Drums Not Dead. Oh my gosh, oh, I must have been there for that. I, I think, I think you I was were. at all of them. Um, yeah. That might piss is, people off who are crazy fans of the Goblin soundtrack, but but that was my well, choice. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually, that was definitely fun. Yeah. And actually that album, Drums Not Dead by Liars, is kinda similar. Like Yeah. It's not like wailing and percussive stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, cool. Well, I always feel bad when Ashwin and I are a bit lower than the guests who picked the movie, but I'm also happy because I know so many people love this movie. And I'm glad that they got to be represented by you, Amy, with yeah, you giving it a five. Of course, and and like I I urge all the listeners um, to explore more Italian horror. Like uh, everyone always says, start with Suspiria. This is kind of one, a good one that you can start with. Zombie is another one, um, but some of my favorites are um, The Beyond, which is another Lucio, uh, Lucio mm. Fulci movie from the 80s i i tend to really like a lot of the 80s ones stage fright is another one i mentioned earlier it's like a straight up slasher but just so cool and um the the main slasher like walks around with an owl mask on and so it's obviously like really good visuals um but yeah just keep watching these because they're they're really interesting if you can get past the bad audio dubbing then (laughs) (laughs) then it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and if you're like trying to put your finger on what giallo is i think mario bava's blood and black lace is a great one Mm. to check out because that's on shutter and easy to to watch right now so oh my gosh yeah so shutter is amazing and they have whole sections that are just argento or just uh giallo classics yep um and uh, argento's deep red is another really good example of just a straight up giallo yeah yeah, because I it, for a while like you can read about that and be like I st- I think I kind of get what Jalo is, but once you see one of those movies, you're like, okay, got it. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Amy, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a blast. Um, yes. And can you remind the listeners where they can find your shop and where they can find you on social media too? Yeah, definitely. Well, you can find me on social media. It's at Amy May Pop Art. And um, my shop is on Etsy. Just search Amy May Pop Art and you'll find it. And I have like a whole horror section and then a bunch of other stuff. But um, but yeah, the promo code is Movie Club. So by the time this airs, (laughs) you can add things to your cart and then get a discount. We didn't say what the discount was, but... (laughs) We'll yeah, make it undisclosed good. discount to be determined. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and you can seek out that set of five coasters uh, curated with the help of Ashwin and I, which includes the mm-hmm. Horror Movie Club logo. And again, the Horror Movie Club logo in full is on horrormovieclub.com if you want to go see what that looks like, which Amy designed for us, of course. And it, it will definitely include um, a, an image of Susie from Suspiria. So you can count on that. And definitely Ooh. the logo, but but there's still 
they're still kind of curating what the yeah. designs will be, I guess. <laughs> Three mystery designs that Ashwin and I yeah. just can't figure out yet. <laughs> cool. Well, anything else from either of you before we close up shop here? No, just thank you. It's always good chatting with you guys. Yeah, this yeah, was a lot of joining. fun. We're glad to have you back on. Your household has now appeared on four episodes, so I'm sure yeah. this won't be the last. All right. Well, that has been our episode on Suspiria, everybody. If you enjoyed it, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps other people find our show. If you want to connect with us, go to horrormovieclub.com and click on that social links dropdown. You can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Discord, where we're chatting with a bunch of horror movie fans. Uh, there's always conversation going on there, so feel free to hop on and talk horror movies with people. Uh, on Facebook and Twitter is where we let y'all know what movie we're going to discuss next week. We do have some ba- uh, bonus content on Patreon, so go to patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. And until next time, if your dance school has murders, maggots, and strict dietary requirements, you might want to request your money back and start looking at other schools, even though there's a kick-ass pool and the boys are cute. <laughs> they were. They were. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.